morning, Soraya. Hey, Jeff. How are you? I'm doing fine. And you? I'm doing good. Did you know that our podcast is one of the safest COVID podcasts that there is around? <laughs> so everybody, you could feel safe listening to Paisley Stage Raspberry and Rhyme. There you go. That was a good plug. Good I plug. Know. I don't know. I don't know. So anyway, so today, did you want to tell our listeners who we're talking to? Yes. Today we are speaking with wonderful musician Gavin Blair, known yes. to many of our listeners as a member of True West, but also X-Men and uh, also... Uh, Wolf Killers. Woof. And yeah. uh, worked on some Dream Syndicate stuff and Suspects, which we've talked about before. Yes. Um so yeah so we did the call actually yesterday right so yes um, and we were joined by our uh, wonderful friend and co-host ronnie barnett yeah and we're wearing different clothes today because it's it's a different day <laughs> right but, but um th uh, this conversation that you guys are going to listen to it's really fun it's, yes. it's really fun hearing gavin tell stories and uh and fortunately, um, we had Ronnie on board, so he helped us out a lot on this one. He's a big fan, so he was jumping in with all kinds of questions. So I think you guys are really gonna enjoy this one. And uh, you're gonna learn a lot, so let's get started. Hi, this is Soraya. And this is Jeff. Our podcast is called Paisley Stage Raspberry and Rhyme. A podcast where the two of us play music that we like and share anecdotes and background about the tunes. We hope you'll join our conversation. And without further ado, agroviar. Let's get groovy. Start video. Oh. Ah, there you are. You were right, Jeffrey. It said start <laughs> video down at the bottom. But it, yeah. it comes and goes. So yeah, I knew I knew if you if you would touch it, it would be like Ronnie, and it would expose itself. So. Are, are, are we still talking about the uh, screen? Yeah. As far as touching it, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been trying to get Gavin to touch it for years. It's, it's Rob Halford that you were quoting or listening to on the line yesterday. Oh, it's KK Downing. Oh, yeah, KK? yeah. Okay, I thought it was. <laughs> yeah, Rob's book is way better. Is it? Um, by the way. Oh. Yeah, Rob's book is really good, Gavin. You like it. Okay, cool. I'll have to check that out. KK's book is disappointing, but I'm I'm barreling through it. So the way so many of them are, unfortunately. <laughs> right. Look, me and Gavin could talk heavy metal all day. That's but, true. Uh... <laughs> well, so we'll leave that for the, the bonus episode, but for this episode, we'd like to talk to Gavin about the work that he's done, right? <laughs> Am I right, Soraya? Absolutely. Solid work? Salud. Creative work. Oh. Uh, so Gavin, True West comes up quite a bit when we talk about the Paisley Underground, which is one of our favorite topics is the Paisley Underground. Sure. And um, even though we've come to learn that the Paisley Underground scene sounds like it was primarily the three o'clock rain parade, Dream Syndicate, and the Bengals. And Green Up. There's a few other. Did, we... Did you say REM? No, no, no. Yeah, we were always lumped into that because as I think Russ puts it well, when he, we, we were their country cousins. Oh. Boonies compared to LA. So yeah, we were 
journalists lumped us into that movement, you know, because we were friends with all of them. We played on each other's records, stuff like that. And I had been yeah. with Russ and Steve and Kendra before. Are you talking about this record right here, yes. Suspect? About that, man. My dear friend Steve Suchel on bass as well. Uh, yeah, that's... This? They tilt her head like that, by the way. <laughs> Steve's a smart one, right? He got out of the music business. Uh, yes and no. He was smart because he went to law school, became a, a lawyer, worked for the state for years, but he's always still played music, but in cover bands and things in the Sacramento. Ah. Did, did the suspects play gigs, Gavin? Was it an active band? It was like at Davis. Um, Steve, one of Steve's brilliant ideas was let's do the laundromat circuit of Davis. We'll play an laundromat in town and then we can do our laundry play a set. It was brilliant. And uh, we played in weird, you know, over at the UC Davis uh, pool and, uh, and, and in some apartment buildings too. I remember one thing in a was in an apartment building and they were having a pool party at this thing and it, everything loomed up around us. Um, that was fun. Nice, so, nice. Yeah. How, how many of those singles are? How many? How many were pressed? Do you remember of that single? No idea. Maybe five hundreds. Okay. Okay. It was very. Yeah. Now, now was was the X Men before the Suspects? No. Or did that come after? Oh, okay. Okay. So this, I had to take a loan out for this. <laughs> by the way, <laughs> this is not cheap. This record right here. So I think. Um, and. I wanted to point out, Gavin, that although you're the lead singer of True West, you're the drummer for Suspects Indeed. and X-Men. And X-Men, yeah. That's what I was doing. I answered an ad in the in the UC Davis Aggie, I think it was, or, or was it the Davis Enterprise? Davis Enterprise. And they, uh, they wanted a drummer who could play everything. And they just named every sort of music you can imagine and influence every sort of band you can imagine. And I was like, well, I'm not doing anything in my... I had moved out from the East Coast in 77 and oh. they brought my drums to, or my friends came to visit me in 78, brought my drum set. So I started to play again and I'd always been a singer. I, I was, I'm an old choir boy. You know, I was singing in front of people in New York city at age nine. So uh, yeah, but I started playing with those guys and uh, that was fun. I, I, oh, I also had a 66 Chevy pickup at the time. So immediately steve's like oh he's in the band because you know <laughs> i'd haul all shit around and haul them around too so uh, those were really those are really kind of innocent nice times that's a good way to get in a band gavin you have a, a vehicle a big vehicle you're a drummer and a singer but the hardest things to find oh hell yeah <laughs> <laughs> so how did you enjoy working with steve and kendra they were great i mean she was like a little sister to me when I met them, I still had my my uh, Timothy B. Schmidt hair or my <laughs> super long Neil Young hair, and Kendra was like, "Oh, I got to take you to see somebody." So she, we took a picture of Keith Richards and his, a shag he'd had in nineteen seventy two over to her hairdresser, and he he just loved the fact that I he he got to do the deed, you know. <laughs> 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 it was a night. So yeah, she was she was always kind of my little sister, and uh, and Steve was just a you know a, a really nice guy, you know, and uh, we had fun. Very cool. Mm -hmm. So what what ended up happening? 
happening to suspects? Did all the laundromats close or what happened? <laughs> yeah, we were banned from the laundromats. No, actually what happened was Steve and Kendra graduated and they wanted to move to LA, go home. And of course they wanted to start a band and that became Dream Syndicate. And Steve Suchel uh, didn't want to go because he was going to law school. Russ didn't want to go. Um, then and, and myself, I asked Steve, well, I moved down there. You still need a drummer. He goes, I can't give you any guarantees if you'll be the drummer or not. I'm like, oh, well, <laughs> screw that. I'll stay here. <laughs> you know, I'm not moving away who I'm, you know, where I knew no one. And uh, also just L.A. Oof. Hey, you guys, you know, you guys like it, but, uh, <laughs> but, but I, I'm overwhelmed in when the city's too big. And uh, so anyway, yeah, I, I stayed and then uh, I went off. Oh, and Donette actually from X-Men before the before Suspects broke up, she actually came around to Suspects gigs and, and said, uh, my guitar player and I need a need a need a drummer. And uh, so I started jamming with them in the suspects uh, rehearsal space. And uh, so that was going on. So that's another reason I didn't leave. I could just jump right over to those guys. And it was kind of, it was fun. It was different music. It was like, you know, kind of power punky stuff, you know, and they just wanted me to hit really hard and play really loud. And uh, it, a little more finesse and suspects, you know, different time changes and things, but uh, so it was a little different and fun. So I opted to stay. And uh, then I moved to the big city, downtown Sacramento, because uh, <laughs> Davis at that time was really podunk. Um, not like now, it's quite, quite large. So yeah, they went to LA, we stayed up here, and then we all went off and did separate projects. Russ went off and formed The Meantime, and uh, which later became True West. And at that point, he he had been coming over to the x-men house and kind of have we were jamming together in our little studio and uh then russ wanted to you know he goes you should sing and because uh, he i used to sing pirate love the old johnny thunder song with x-men mm -hmm. that was my one song and you know sing and play drums at doing that and i can recall at the mabuhai gardens in san francisco russ in the audience yelling at the top of his lungs he should sing more and of course <laughs> done it like wanted to flip them off he was furious <laughs> anyway yeah. and nice. things just kind of fell into place and then x-men we all lived together in x-men house and uh yeah in davis i i hadn't i moved to i moved to sac uh, a year or so later maybe two so yeah that's what happens to suspects i mean if they hadn't graduated we would have continued to uh go on Ronnie, do you have the X-Men record? Um, I, I don't. I don't um, either. No, I don't have that either. So. I actually, uh, yeah, I actually might, I might be getting one, but I'll, I'll, I'll leave the details uh, off of this. <laughs> Those are <laughs> No, no, they're really rare. I, I, it's on my list. It's like a solid $50 record, if not more. And, um, and the sellers are always in Europe. Like, so yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Discogs listings. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, it's on my list too. So I've been 
trying to hunt that one down, but I got a good line on one. I'll just put it that way. All right, all right. Do you do you have it, Gavin? You know, your musicians often don't have their own records. Yeah, you don't. I, I don't believe I have that. I do have a suspect, <laughs> and Russ's sister sent me a suspect's button. Ooh. Wow, That's, <laughs> guys. There was suspects merch, Jeff and Soraya. Wow. You got to get on that. We have so that was my question about True West. So you joined True West as a singer, like not as a drummer. Yeah, yeah. They didn't need a drummer. Um, and Russ wanted me to sing because he can't sing, really. And uh, <laughs> he does a good Russ Tolman thing. It's at Lou Reed. Uh, actually, he's... Uh, tons better than he used to be i mean his stuff he does now sounds pretty darn good yeah but uh yeah yeah back then uh he he and the the singer for the meantime slash which became true S, that guy went off to uh san francisco um uh, and the, you know then russ was like well i, I want to work with you have you be the singer so i'm like okay <laughs> why not and and of course that then I had to face the wrath of Donette for, you know, abandoning ship. But, uh, and for years afterwards, but who would listen that she had fired me, you know, and uh, which wasn't the case actually, but eh, that was rough. <laughs> it was rough leaving that band. <laughs> you just didn't, you just didn't cross Donette. You know, she was the, the queen, still is. And we now are friends again, thankfully, years and years. Yeah, we recently we recently talked to Donette, and she she kind of alludes to the fact that she was not maybe the the nicest person at times <laughs> back then. <laughs> well, but, but she's a sweetheart now, that's for sure. Well, she, so she always really has been a sweetheart. But back in those days, you know, we're all young and hot headed in some respects. Uh, but you just didn't cross her. You know, if you, if you pissed her off, man, it was like, whoa. <laughs> and I pissed her off because I just told her, look, right. I used to be a singer when I was a kid and I want to go off with Russ and sing and, and then co-write stuff. And uh, uh, yeah. And that, uh, that really, Oh God. I had a <laughs> it's still with you i can tell it's still yeah, there. <laughs> I, uh, I was yeah i i could uh, i can recall the conversation and you know she just uh, yeah it, it was it was a I got really really pissed off and i'm like look you know it was almost like we were breaking up and uh, we'd never been a couple but uh, she is she's an amazing lady and one of the most intelligent people i know so anyway yeah, very sweet Sorry, are you taking notes about this not to cross Donette there? I, I've got that. I've got that. Yeah, don't down. that woman. She will go. <laughs> <laughs> so True West, I wanted to talk about the single, Lucifer Sam single. I yeah. have that. Yeah. So this is, I believe, your first output as a band? Yes. Was this single? Yeah. Yes. And then um, we know that a short time later, the three o'clock also released a version of Lucifer Sam. Yeah, that's um, weird. I'm, how did you feel about that with the three o'clock releasing a cover of the same song you did? Well, Michael was singing it with an English accent, and I was singing it with a, you know, <laughs> West Coast. <laughs> uh, it was great. We found out later that, you know, 
we were both doing the same song, but remember we lived in Northern California, you know, and they were in LA. So, and, and uh, there was no internet and this and that and the other. So we kind of both found out like, oh, we're doing the same cover. So, but yeah, they, they you know, they did a brilliant version. I mean, those guys are incredible musicians and, uh, and Michael's a great singer, but he was kind of singing it with an English accent, which I didn't do. I found that <laughs> we're supposed to be yeah. today, right? <laughs> right. Just, just shit like that. <laughs> Did the single happen pretty quickly after uh, you got in the band? You know, that's I don't know. You might have to ask Russ about that, but I think we always okay. we always wanted to to you know, we were writing songs and then that single was a great way to kind of get noticed in the press. You're like, hey, you're doing a cover of Pink Floyd, you know? And uh, we were huge fans, especially that Piper at the Gates of Dawn album, my goodness. Um, but yeah, and uh, yeah, I think we probably went, a, you know, and did that pretty quickly after I was came in. All right. Was there a, a decision made to um, release a cover as your first song? Was was there any discussions about should we put our own song out, an original or? No, I, I, well, yes, there there was a decision purposely to do a cover. Um, and Pink Floyd was kind of really big right then too. That early stuff with Sid Barrett was very popular. Uh, yeah, we made the conscious effort to like, let's release a single because people will listen to that and then we can release our own stuff. Uh, personally, I think if we were to do it again, I would make sure the B side of that single had one of our songs on there instead of just doing the backwards thing. But that was just kind of a fun joke. Yeah, that. Yeah. Right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so everything's backwards. Yeah, every, the whole thing's really <laughs> Yeah, it was kind of a fun you know, joke. But it, to do it again, I would, I think I would, uh, I would not network to release one of one of our early songs, but uh, right, yeah. I like how it's backwards. Yeah, <laughs> red vinyl, cool. That's the one we have as well. Nice. All right, Ronnie. Well, then, you were ready to. No, change. I was going to say, yeah, yeah. So then comes this. Yes. Wait, wait. That's you. That's you, Gavin. Right on the on the cover. Correct. <laughs> mine looks mine looks different than yours, Ronnie. We'll get we'll get to that. Okay, we'll get to okay. that version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, what Jeffrey? So this this is in stereo. I'd like to point out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we were the first to do stereo. I hear. No. So, so how how did you make it on the cover? Was that a no? Was that a band? All one picture, and it was wrapped. Right. So if you look on the back, that's just like yeah. That was the whole picture. Uh, my my old girlfriend took that picture and that was in a cemetery um of, like a famous historical cemetery in sacramento so oh i know that one i know that cemetery i know you know it it's fairly close to julie's i think yeah yeah it's right by a target yes oh this, this is very interesting for the everybody to, to hear but yeah <laughs> i believe it's the one down there on on uh oh, broadway yeah. yeah wow then that, okay interesting close to that target and close to bike dog brewing too uh yeah oh yes and all yeah. governors and senators and you know you know uh famous madams all this kind of stuff from back in the old days of sacramento are buried in that that cemetery and they do ghost walks in wow. every year which nice. really wow. 
Yeah, those are, if you ever get a chance to do something like that, they are amazing because Auburn, California has one too. And they actually have characters from history at their tombstone telling you the story of, you know, how they got their, their head sliced open with, a, with an ax or, you know, how they, me, because I'm a loser. There was one guy that got hung in uh, historic Auburn on a tree, that, the hanging tree, because Auburn's the capital. And uh, so that's where you would go when you committed crimes. But that cemetery down there in Sackis, they do a brilliant tour in that place too. Wow, interesting. So yeah. So so you guys, go ahead. Oh, I was just. I think it was an inexpensive way to put that single out on our bring out your own, bring out your dead records, which was our little independent label at the time. Right, right. And you wrote and you wrote Steve Wynn into coming back and co-producing this. Yep. Thing. Yep. Nice. And the guy. I love how it sounds. It's all just fuzz and it, everything's in the red. It sounds like. Yeah. You know. True. And, and I believe it's recorded down at BSU Studios with Jim Keeler, who was in the Oxford Circle, um, an old San Francisco band back in the day uh, who used to play, you know, open for everybody and their mother down there at the Fillmore and Winterland. Like that. He was a great guy. Wow. He was a, he is an amazing guy and had a nice little home studio and an old Victorian uh, in the Army, Army Street Studios. And uh we recorded all our early stuff there. It was just fantastic. Wow, long gone, I would imagine, that studio. I believe so, yeah. Jim, well, you know, the way housing prices in San Francisco are now, they're obscene, you know. And oh, yeah. It, yeah. Jim eventually just kind of got pushed out by all the gentrification and, and uh, the prices of everything. So yeah, he sold out. He was originally from Davis too, California. So, and friends with guys oh. in blue cheer and, you know, so there's this great psychedelic connection for us, you know, with that, with nice. So, but yeah, that, yeah. that, that EP you have is, is fantastic. And then to jump ahead to Jeffrey there, when we yeah. signed up to new rows, uh, they wanted a full album and not just an EP. And so it was expanded to do the, the one that the, uh, the Jimmy Cagney picture on the front there, that full album. And that came out fairly like within the year of the original. Am, am, I, am I right on that? It seemed like it was very quickly. It was pretty quick, yeah, because they, they really, really liked the um, they they really liked that EP. But they, like I said, they they wanted a full album, so uh, we were like, okay, cool. And then PVC picked it up in the states. Exactly. So our old yeah, and Marty Stewart it turned out to be such a prick. Anyway. <laughs> And then looking at the credits on this, you have the uh, the guy that's been in every band in Northern California, Joseph Becker, joins the band. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. A guy who should be a guest on this podcast very soon, by the way, just to talk about his whole career. Yeah, he, you should. The, the, guy's, the guy's a brilliant drummer. And uh, yeah, he has played with a lot of great bands and plays with a plays with good one now. So, yeah. 
Absolutely. Yep. And I did want to note that my version, Ronnie, has a special song on it, Hollywood Holy Day. <laughs> oh. You see that? <laughs> yours oh, yeah, mine does, mine does too. I don't think yours too. has, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, mine does I too. Think, not the EP though, right? The EP has Hollywood Holiday. The funny the, thing is they, they get the title right on the on the cover, but they get the song title wrong on the back. Yeah. <laughs> Unless that was on purpose, Gavin. Was that on purpose? Yes, it was for a religious album that we were working. <laughs> 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 no. <laughs> exactly. You know, psychedelic spelling, yeah. you know, could be. <laughs> so I wanted to ask Gavin what the um, songwriting process was for True West. And so you mentioned that you wanted to be um, you told Donette that you wanted to be a singer and a songwriter sure. right? and get from uh, get off the, the drum throne. Right. Right. So um, what what was the songwriting process for True West? Did did everybody bring in songs or. Well, for True West, basically, Russ and Richard would bring in music and I would write lyrics. And then Russ and I, at a certain point, started writing everything together. And uh, but Richard always pretty much wanted uh me to take care of lyric writing so yeah it was a it, it was it's kind of the big three basically you brought up Richard I want to talk about Richard because like obviously how did you find obviously he, he he seemed a little older than you guys I could be wrong on that um a little bit he seemed seasoned he seemed he seemed more seasoned if you will like how did you find him like how, where did he come from uh he was he was our contact through Frank French the original drummer who was Mr. Sacramento drummer at one point in time uh played with everybody and everybody he was in high demand um Richard and he were in a band called the Mumbles with also um a, a bass player Mike Palmer was in that band as well and was a, one like the second True West uh bass player after uh, Rick Gates um but uh, yeah um Richard came from Sacramento the Sacramento scene so and that's where at least I wanted to move to because all the clubs were there, you know, the bars and all that kind of stuff. And downtown Sac at that time was a cheap place to live. You could live in these big grand Victorian houses that had been converted into apartments. It was just a fantastic scene in the eighties in Sacramento downtown. And I wanted to get out of the college town atmosphere of Davis. And uh, so, yeah, Richard came from the Sacramento scene. And like I said, he had played in this band called the Mumbles. It was, uh, had done very well at, at the time. So I think we did some gigs with them maybe or something. They put out a good single too. And uh, eventually uh, we just decided to steal him. 
<laughs> well, okay. Bumble's kind of kind of you know went their separate ways. The the singer in that band had quit to go to school or something, and uh, Mike and Richard were free, and so we we grabbed them, and then Richard basically stuck around for a long time. Mike Palmer wanted to stay. He plays in a band called Mumbo gumbo and some other band called the nibblers and wanted to stay in sacramento when we started touring that's when certain people that were with us left because they didn't want to go on the road or they had to go back to school or whatever so yeah okay can you guys help me out with a little bit of geography here how far is davis from sacramento is it like 45 minutes Nah, it's probably you know with with traffic being in those days with traffic was you know, not so bad. So it'll be about a half hour. Okay. It's, it's really close. Okay. But you know, yeah, by, by LA standards, it's in the city. Yeah. Oh. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> but the, the difference though, in mentality and, you know, between a college town that was an ag, you know, that they're the Aggies down there. So that's pretty rural feeling back then it was, um, and so the difference between that and Sacramento was was like just worlds apart difference. Um, it, you know, Sacramento was like a cool scene. And uh, Davis was sort of like, yeah, we kind of done this all here. It's all there. There were no places to play for one thing. A couple of dive bars. And uh, so, yeah, the laundromats. Yeah. And the laundromats. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so uh, do the just about to hold it up. Now now are labels sniffing around you guys after the Hollywood Holiday EP? Uh You know, we we were with Marty Marty Stewart started uh, courting us uh, to come over to PVC Gym and uh, then we ended up doing Drifters with him. Okay. Good old man. Mine's the Zippo version. Right. Ah. Well, they picked it up as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, so in it's, yeah. been on, it's been on like new rows and yeah, all that stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I got the PVC. Yeah. Ooh, you, there you go. Oh, you got the original. It's a promo, Gavin. You didn't get paid for this one. What? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Ronnie, I think you, I think you owe Gavin probably like, 78 cents or something Ooh, that's true I'll, I'll take 75 though <laughs> <laughs> it's yours it's yours so yeah so that lineup change you talked about it really the the you know this the the god-given lineup of true west is this lineup right with kevin on base and um i'm sorry uh yes definitely kevin on base um and uh is it steve on drums Yes. Yes. And this is the lineup that like, I mean, I saw you guys at least three times. You guys were on the road all the time. Like true. It was a great line. Yeah. Yeah. 
So did you guys tour much then, Gavin? <laughs> yeah, we were road dogs back then. I mean, we'd come oh, wow. for, you know, three weeks and then go back out again for three to four weeks, just like it kept, you know, we kept tour, tour, touring, touring, touring. So, yeah, it was great. And, we had a, and where did the tours take you? Was it mostly stateside or yeah, did you make it over? We did a European tour, which was great. And then we, they were trying to expand that to include, you know, other countries. Um, but uh, pretty much just England, Germany, France. And wow. Yeah. And it would have been nice to be able to continue and go to, you know, further, you know, Italy, Greece, all that stuff. But uh, yeah, that first tour was great. And we stayed at Red Roof Inns. That was our place. And a few nice. few other great dive places, too, that were just like, um, yeah. <laughs> did, did you share beds, Gavin? Who did you share a bed with? I, Kevin and I slept together because I didn't. Okay. Wait, okay. what? This is a whole new <laughs> podcast right here. Yeah. It, believe me, we had our clothes on and, and put a board down the middle of the bed. Uh, <laughs> no, you know, the thing about it was it was always there was there was always three of us to a room and uh, so russ and steve and the road manager um would all stay in one room well they were all like oh well i'm not sleeping in bed with you you know I'm, i i get the floor you know or, or i get the beds now you have to sleep on the floor whereas with richard kevin and i kevin and i both looked at each other screw that man uh, what side of the bed do you want? I'm like, I want the right side. Uh, I'm not sleeping on the floor. <laughs> so it was like, it was great. We were brothers. I mean, I, when I lost him, it was like a family member. And uh, so, yeah, we, we three roomed and we always got to sleep in beds because all the places we stayed like two beds. And of course, King Richard got to sleep all by himself. <laughs> but, you know, uh, the, the other guys, yeah, they, they one would sleep on the floor so yeah that's one of the things yeah people people often share beds you know on those one right when you're can only afford one hotel room that's just what happened so oh. that's why we had to ask we always could afford two so rooms nice so yeah yeah We, the, the tours we did were great because they pretty much just paid for themselves. Uh, you might get home and, and make a hundred bucks, you know, for being, um, so needless to say, it was a little rougher at home. We all had day jobs and, you know, did what we could to keep doing the music and with, with the hopes of, you know, getting to the point where you could actually make a living at it. And, uh, so, yeah. Nice. Let's talk about the REM tour. Uh, I saw you guys open for REM yep. in Houston. Um, how, how long were you on that tour? Seven weeks. Whoa. Wow. It was brilliant. I mean, those guys are tremendous. I mean, really, really nice guys. Um, yeah, they, we had a, a, they had, they hired a, a separate PA guy for us, a separate little PA for us. Um, and, and reasoning behind that was, when they went on tour with U2, U2 never gave them sound checks. And they'd just be like, ah, it's 
go out there and wing it, mate. You know, you'll be fine. And, you know, it, it, I remember talking to Buck and, and Michael Stipe going, it was, it was hell, you know, it was like five songs in and you're like, still can't hear shit. And, uh, you know, but you, you two didn't want to be upstaged, you know? Um, so the REM was fantastic. I mean, they got in touch with us and, and uh, were fans and uh, we were fans of theirs. And so we, we went out and did Western U S bit of Canada and then some of the Southwest too. Oh, wow. Seven weeks. That's a long time. Is that, that's, that's great. Did we run into you in Texas? At, yeah, I. Uh, is that where you? Yeah, at, at, at a, not at not at, not on that show, but yeah, at Fitz, the club Fitzgerald's oh, in Houston. I, if you remember that place, I remember you at Fitzgerald's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, my favorite club of all time. Oh my god. R.I.P. They tore they tore it down last year I, or two years ago. But I said a little prayer for it myself because we had great times in that place. That was wonderful. Yeah, I have a piece of the floor framed uh, in the other room. Nice. Uh, that that a friend got for me. Yeah, yeah. So oh. I got a piece of the piece cool. of the club. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I like I said, I think I saw you guys twice wow. in one year. One year. I mean, you guys seem to we, always be on the road, which is amazing. We, well, we but uh, okay. We so have to be on the road. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. You know, it's like well go home there you know it's, yeah. Sacramento was a great place to live but they weren't very supportive of us and other local bands so we had to venture out in order to get gigs and you know recognition and put records out and things so yeah yeah well you got a lot of press with drifters uh which I think led to some major label interest correct um is correct. that when you did the Tom Verlaine demos yeah, those Tom Berlain demos were to be signed, you know, to try to get us signed up to a major label. And that was, what a great experience that was, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Meeting Albert Grossman in the hallway, filling up the Coke machine, you know. <laughs> oh, so you did him up at uh, Woodstock then, or is that where? Yeah, he, you know, he, I believe he owned that studio right. at the time. And yeah, he, he was, in, you know, I, I walk up and there's some older fella filling up the, the, the machine, you know, and I, I wanted a soda. He, he goes, oh, here, you can just have this one. It's like, oh, cool. Great. Thanks. You know, he goes, yeah, no problem. I'm Al. Oh, I'm Gavin. <laughs> and then I me when I went back with Verlaine and Verlaine's like, you met Albert Grossman? I'm like, that was Albert Grossman? <laughs> Holy crap. But, now, now Verlaine. And then I, Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, Verlaine. I mean, he was, he was really, really great guy. Okay. Cause you hear, you hear that he can be a little difficult if you will. Yeah. I've, I've heard that too, but it was always like experiences like people after us, after we did that thing with him. I mean, he, yeah, he's kind of an artsy guy and, and uh, very, uh, I don't want to use the word anal, but I mean, he's like, you know, he really, uh, um, with his own work i mean with us uh with us it was like what do you guys want to sound like and <laughs> and i would i would tell him well get us that kind of punch that like acdc has and then with our own kind of sound mixing he goes well i don't know if i could do that <laughs> like well we're trying, we're trying to get signed here i don't want to do we want to sound like everybody else he kept asking us like what do you want to sound like what do you want and i was like you're also the producer so you should have some vision because you came and saw us at danceateria and uh you know uh, was we kind of had an idea you would 
know how to get us a record deal or or you know what they want whatever but uh a little little side note on that session with him he didn't like joe becker at all on drums because that was joseph at the time and uh we were all nervous it's a big time we were in the studio a the big huge studio there and uh it uh he wanted to bring jd up from new york you know his his guy and uh whom I later saw play with the waitresses. We opened for the waitresses in San Francisco. And he goes, man, how was that Verlaine session? He, he called me. He wanted to bring, bring me into the session to do the drums for you guys. Cause Joe kept speeding up. So now he got excited, you know, and uh, we said, no, and Joe's got to be the guy. So, but yeah, JD Doherty, I believe his name is. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, okay. So those demos were before drifters then if Joe was still in the band. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, wait a minute. I'm a little foggy on that. Was that before or after Drifters? Uh, probably. Well, Drifters, you have Drifters, you have Steve. So. Yeah. 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 Uh, before. Okay. Okay. So yeah. All right. Are those dem are those demos available? You might talk to Russ about that. He might have something. I think they're on. Yeah. Uh, some of them are on this thing. Yeah. That. Uh, that's. Yeah. Yeah. Some of them are on that. Run. Yeah. Ronnie's our historian here because someone's got to be uh, okay. So after Drifters, uh, Russ leaves. What what's so what happened with eventually? What happened? How did that split happen? Yeah. Well, okay. It was the you know the kind of the Spinal Tap thing. The guitarist girlfriend was the manager, you know, and and uh, that we weren't getting along. Marty Stewart with PVC Gem really contributed to the dissatisfaction of, of everybody within the band because we had been trying to get signed to A&M, which actually have, I think, I think one of the records was in Canada on A&M. But anyway, the, we went to Europe and that label over there was signing up all of us, long riders, red, you know, all at the same time, they were, they wanted all of us. And we had talked to a fellow over there who was the, was the promo guy. And he was like, you guys are, I, I visualize you as the next foreigner, you know? And we, we were like, well, okay, <laughs> whatever. Um, but you need to get out of your record deal. And we were like, well, wait a sec. Shouldn't, you know, you be going in there, you know, helping us out. And no, no, you, you guys got to take care of that. So Connie was the manager at the time. It, it, she was she was good as like, say, a personal liaison for the band. But we got we reached a certain point with that band where we really needed to jump to an agency, you know, like pros. You know, the guys that all go golfing together and, you know, work the deals behind the scenes. And she was, you know, pretty, you know, not good for that. Um, Russ, of course, they were pretty tight. He didn't want to dump her. 
And I said, we don't have to dump her. We can keep her as a personal manager and then have, you know, an agency who could go into PVC gem and get us out of our record deal. Um, Marty Stewart got furious that we wanted to leave him and he had another option on us and he held out for long enough that sort of the hype about true West died. And then, um, yeah, we, you know, he, he, it was like a year, almost a year's worth. He had, you know, he waited and waited. We kept going, okay, we won't go to a major label. Let's start working on the next album. Let's, you know, like, you know, let's send us the advance. We'll, we'll work something out. We'll, we'll send you demos of songs, blah, blah, blah. blah. And he was a prick. He just like, you know, was pissed because he knew we wanted to jump ship and, you know, it would have been the natural progression as a musician. You want to keep going, going up as you can. Um, if you can, I should say. So he held out and, you know, we'd been on, we'd been on that Rolling Stone article about the, what a, the top, 10 or top 15 bands to watch in 1984. Um, and that generated a lot of excitement. And that's why uh, another reason the European guys were coming after us to try to sign us. And uh, yeah, Marty Stewart, asshole. Uh, that pissed everybody off. You know, we were all frustrated. We couldn't do another record with him because he was not giving us the go ahead to do that, but we couldn't get signed up to this the major label um, because we couldn't get out of our contract. So um, we came back off the road at a certain point and we were all pretty miserable and, you know, like, and we weren't getting along at the end too. The, um, I remember that last tour through Florida was dreadful. Russ and I got into a, a major row down there and we came back off the road and, and just kind of said, you know what, this, this sucks. We want to continue without Connie. And if that means continuing without you, then so be it. And Russ is like, well, that's cool. Cause I want to go to LA anyway and uh, start a solo career. And we were like, fine. So we did that last true West record um, hand of fate with a, with a real con man. <laughs> yeah. A real con man in, in, in San Francisco at his studios and uh Russ was doing his first great record, you know, and uh, but then then as things, you know, and, and I, I always blame Connie more than I do Russ. They sued us, you know, for the name. And and it was like that was pre Pink Floyd case where, you know, like remember Roger Waters sued the rest of those guys like you can't be yeah. you can't be Pink Floyd without me. And uh, the judge overruled, you know, it said, yes, they can. Um, cause well, that, that, if that case had been on the books when Russ and his girlfriend there, uh, sued us, that, that decision would have been great, but no, even more so it was, there was a court date we were supposed to show up for and she gave us the wrong date so that we missed. And then they went there. It's like, well, judge rules in favor of, you know, the, of, of them. And we find out later, uh, we're like, you got to be kidding me. And, you know, let's face it, we, none of us made any money. Uh, you know, we didn't have the, we didn't have the, the lawyer to go after them. Steve Stucha, by the way, is not that kind of a trial attorney. <laughs> so, yeah. So we just did that final True West record kind of swan th song thing. And then we, you know, Richard and I 
wandered off to uh, Seattle and uh, to start Fool Killers. And the rest of the guys went their way. And of course, you know, Russ is history. Russ is doing his thing. And uh, yeah, that's what happened. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So the record came out and then you got sued over the name. Yeah. Obviously, because yeah. you're using the name. And yeah. Did, okay. Did a tour too, actually. We did a last American tour with the same agency that had been booking True West in the past. And I think, I think Connie basically put Russ up to it. Like, yeah, we need to sue them for the name. You are, you're everything about that band. And, you know, he, it, uh, yeah, a lot of content. Yeah. Young, you know, we all, you know, we, we've long since kissed and made up, but I don't think, I, I think Russ told me once, you really are Irish, you know, you, you, Irish never forget, you know, cause you didn't talk to me for 13 years. I was like, hell, I hadn't been counting. <laughs> Yesterday I rose up We should also clarify that the Marty Stewart you're talking about is not the famous country uh, artist. Oh, God, I only wish. <laughs> a few times. Yeah, I wish it was Marty. Marty wouldn't have screwed him. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Ronnie, for making that Yeah, yeah, yeah. I keep wanting right. to say it every time make, Gavin was saying the name. Yeah. Eight people that start sending hate mail to, to Marty's Facebook. What you just request? <laughs> Oh, what? No. So you brought it up. You and Richard stay together. You you formed yeah, yeah. a new band. We stayed together. I I was I was with my girlfriend who was from um, Oregon, and she had always wanted to move back home, and her parents were getting older, and so I was like, yeah, let's let's go. There's nothing holding us here anymore. And then Richard Richard eventually moved back to Seattle. He'd lived there years before and had an old girlfriend that was still there and uh so yeah we went up there and we formed full killers and uh yeah did a single and and did an album and it was with an odd german label i believe and uh actually we did two two records oh, yeah what? yeah yeah i i'm i've you're the gray matter here um we started full killers while we were still in sacramento together because we were with john bachagloopy and enharmonic studios which was in a big victorian in the basement right three from where i was living so we did that first out of state place album in sacramento and uh yeah my favorite and then moved okay okay favorite now is that is that around the time that kevin gets sick yeah kevin got sick one of the things we were doing that album um, while he was sick and uh, that was oh my god that was horrible I, I was at the hospital just about every day they thought I was his brother because we kind of looked like and even his mother you know considered me to be the, the other son that she had never had and uh, it, yeah that, it was a very rare ailment he had if I remember yeah correct. it was some kind of weird bacterial infection um, and uh I have my own theory on, on how it happened. Um, but, uh, it kept this, this 
different things went wrong with him. He, he turned yellow and got jaundiced. And so they were too, you know, they thought it was that. And they kept testing him for AIDS, like over and over again. Oh, another test for AIDS. He didn't have AIDS. Um, but he had a bad immune system. And there was a point in time, he liked to wear Birkenstocks on the road. And he, he had really heavy equipment, big old Ampeg things. He dropped uh, a speaker cabinet on his foot and really bashed up his toe, and you know, so that the, the toenail came off and it didn't heal. It took forever to heal. And so that was kind of an early indication of like, yeah, your immune system is, is it's not working so well. So whatever this bacterial infection that eventually messed up his heart valve and that's how he died. But personally, I've always thought that he picked up something and you know there'll be people might be pissed off at me saying this but we went to hamburg and when in hamburg you want to go where the beatles used to play and who hangs out there where the beatles used to play uh you know ladies professional ladies and a few people in the band uh indulged and Kevin did. And, you know, that's a port of call um, in, in Germany. I mean, there are freighters coming in from all parts of the world, you know. And, you know, when the guys hit shore leave, they, you know, they, they want to play around and have fun. And uh, so I personally think that, you know, we're talking a bacterial infection. I'm, I'm thinking something very foreign, very alien, whatever. He may have contracted something even though they're very careful you know um but uh, uh yeah uh, that would that would account or later on as we're touring and he injures himself you know his immune system just kind of failed and that's uh yeah it was oh boy that was horrible you know going to that hospital all the time and he was in intensive care for quite a while and then eventually came out and uh they gave him last rites twice, you know, and uh, I'm like, what the hell's going on here? You, you, what's he, you know, he's going to pull out of this, right? And I had a nurse pull me into a stairwell and tell me, like, he's not going to pull out of this. We don't know what's going on. It was kind of a teaching hospital in South Sacramento, too. So, yeah, I was there when he passed. And, uh, yeah, it was, oh, yeah, yeah, that was uh, uh, how old was he, Gavin? How old? 28. He, he was oh. part of the club, you know, the eight yeah. club. He was, he was part of that. Um, but uh, a more wonderful person you've never met, you know, and I know a lot of people say that about people they really care a lot about, but he was genuinely one of the sweetest people uh, you'll ever meet. And I don't think anybody didn't like him, you know, anybody that met him always loved him you know man women whatever dogs uh <laughs> like it's like this guy over here like that guy right there and you notice it's another big some of them <laughs> ron Paul mccartney oh. Harris. <laughs> all right so you get through the full killers, Gavin, and then you do you give up music at that point? I, I, do, you, do you get out of the business or, or did you continue to 
kind of play around and we don't have record recorded evidence of it. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the drummer, the drummer for uh, the, this last Jim, um, Jim Huey in, in, uh, in Portland has his little Paisley park label or Paisley label, something Paisley. Anyway. <laughs> and so he released some, uh, some fool killer stuff that the second fool killers record was, recorded with Conrad Uno and uh, from Young Fresh Fellows fame up there in Seattle. And we just, and that was on that German label. So yeah, after that, we hooked up with Jim and uh, did a bunch of material with him. Um, the third Full Killers record was done, is done actually with additional stuff. And, and it just never really kind of saw the light of day until Jim released a bunch of stuff. So yeah. There's a, there's another full killers record out there, but eventually we got to the point where um, I wanted to go back to school again and, and get a science degree in water, wastewater management. And Richard was working for an outfit up in a company up in Seattle. And I moved back to uh, help take care of my, my now ex's parents and uh, until their passing. And, um, so yeah, we kind of, we were still sending stuff back and forth um, music wise, but for the most part, yeah, I, I kind of just sort of semi-retired and then we've played a few shows since then. And then of course there was the True West reunions um, where we you know, came down and played House, House of Blues in San Francisco and uh, Anaheim and did a, a wonderful gig up in, uh, up in uh, Portland. So, yeah, that, that, that House of Blues gig is uh, actually released on a DVD. Exactly. Uh, a CD, too, I think. Yeah. Um, who, were, were you opening for somebody? Who, who was that show That was with? Violent Femmes. Okay. okay. They're old buddies of ours from the old days, and they called us up, and, you know, they were like, hey, we want you guys to come out of retirement and, you know, play with us up at the Fillmore and, and play, you know, House of Blues down south. And we were like when do we show up that's all okay <laughs> you know okay so that's how it happened you got an offer you couldn't oh refuse, and the band got back together yeah. Fillmore for me is a church you know it's a rock and roll church you go in there and see those posters on the walls of like whoa cream played on this stage you know and stuff oh my god that was that was amazing those gigs were fantastic well well received house of blues was surprisingly well received my gosh we're at disneyland no less that was weird <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah it, things have really changed but yeah those were fun and uh yeah who knows might see us in the future yeah i was gonna ask i thought i heard talks of some reissues yeah Is that russ has been working on a lot of that stuff he he has you know got masters for everything and uh he uh yeah he's been doing but it's all you know for i say unfortunately because i'm not big on the you know the the stuff online and downloading and stuff i i want that album in my hand so i can look at it you know and feel it yeah you know, so so nowadays so probably a i'm with you gavin i don't listen to music on a device i like to hold it and look yeah, at it and put it on a stereo yeah I, same with me yeah 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 but I don't have much, I don't have a player vinyl anymore. So I'm pretty much just a, a boring CD guy buying all those remastered ones. I, I, cut. 
I'm right there with you, Gavin. I don't know how people, uh, this is a different subject, but yeah, a CD with a bunch of bonus tracks and liner notes. There's nothing better. I, I don't, I don't understand when people choose the vinyl option, yeah. you know, with no bonus tracks. Like, like I just, I do not understand. Yeah. That. So Ryan, do we still need this guy? <laughs> hey man. see you've got a little bit of everything jeff is super duper vinyl just like ronnie but ronnie adds in the the cd just like gavin i'm a little bit of everything yeah so yeah. no same I, I i buy plenty of records too but you know yeah yeah i give it i got tired of hauling the records around so pretty much now i just have a real small group of stuff and of course everything true west or fool killers ever did i've got the the initial pressings for and stuff like that. So yeah. You just don't have that X-Men single, Gavin. Yeah, you know, <laughs> dig in the archives. I could surprise myself. Gavin, I wanted to ask you about this because I understand that you did some um, backing vocals on this album. Can you tell us about working on this session with Dream Syndicate on the Medicine Show? It was just Steve there. Um, okay. All the rest of those guys. Oh, actually, wait a minute. Is it that album? Oh, I guess it is that album. It's not that. Yeah. Um, they were, that's their major label thing. And uh, mm -hmm. Steve called me. Talking about A&M, right? Yeah. Well, you mentioned A&M. They, they paid me to do that. I mean, I got a, I got, uh, I got paid every day from A&M. They got a little nice little check. Not much though, believe you me, but it was great. And I, and <laughs> um, yeah, it was like, well, when you're starving and, you know, you're working at minimum wage or whatever, um, it's like, what? You'll pay me to sing on your record? That's fantastic. And it was with Sandy Perlman, you know, Blue Oyster Cult fame. And uh, yeah, that was fun. And they, he had also he also recruited uh, Steve, um, the, the Long Rider guys to come up and sing. Right. But yeah. Yeah, I think Sid McCarthy and Stephen. I mean, yeah. Stephen McCarthy and Sid Griffin. Sid, right? Sid the Squid. Yeah. Uh, that was fun. It was down in the Bay Area, of course, and uh, they. Uh, I actually roomed with Steve because A and M was putting him up in his own apartment in some place downtown, close to the studio. So, um, and Steve was like, "Yeah, you, you can come. You can come stay with me." You know, and uh, did you share a bed? No, I. I no board down the middle. Yeah, no board. <laughs> um, yeah I, uh, I i had to sleep on the couch and then i had to sleep in a closet when he was entertaining a a friend mm. pre, pre 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 linda Pittman. so sure sure <laughs> did you have to put pillows on your ears to cover any uh you know i think i've done something like that actually because i'm in this <laughs> A one-room apartment, studio apartment that they were A and M was putting them up in. It wasn't like we were. He was staying at the Ritz or something, you know, where it'd be <laughs> giant suite. It was pretty budget. I mean, uh, and and they were taking a chance with Dream Syndicate, you know. Um, and uh, it was a great record, I think. Really, really great. I loved doing it. Sandy Perlman was a trip. Oh my God, uh, talk about eccentric, but in a good way. Not like a Phil Spector way. Okay. Yeah, I, I met Sandy once, and he was he was amazing. Yeah. I love giving him enough rope too. I don't know why people put down the second Clash album. I think it's wonderful. Oh, agree. I I, I agree. totally agree. I I think that record's fantastic. Yeah, it so. sounds great too. I think. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, just, Absolutely. 
that album and London Calling are the only two Clash records I really listen to anymore. So, yeah, yeah. I, I love that first record, of course. But yeah, the, the sound he got on that was just oh, remarkable on that second. So yep. you actually remember the sessions of recording the vocals for eh. Medicine Show? You know, you, you go in, you sing. Um, it, yeah, it, it was it was a nice experience. Um, it was pretty much just Steve, Sandy and myself because Carl had finished and gone to L.A. and Kendra had okay. finished and, and had gone back home, too. And uh, yeah. And what was it? Dennis wasn't there. So they had pretty much done all the stuff. And then because Steve doesn't really like people around when he's singing, at least at that point, he didn't. So if he was singing something when I was there, um, I'd have to go wait in the hall or something, you know, in the lobby because <laughs> he didn't want people listening to it. Understood. Yeah, so, I could see wonderful that. experience. I mean, Steve was fantastic to work with and uh, as was Sandy Perlman. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, nice. So do you stay in touch with Kendra these days? Uh, I actually am. Yeah, I actually have a way to get in touch with her. She's hard to get okay. in touch with, but she, uh, I have a friend who is very good friends with her and lives right near her too. And uh, yeah, Kendra told me, or told her one time, yeah, it's okay if Gavin gets in touch with me. So you know, I kind of feel honored that way. Um, yeah. But yeah, she's, she was my little sister, you know, and uh, she's doing her thing and it's pretty cool raising goats and, and living off the grid and you know in pot country over there she's not the pot person though so anyway yeah very cool so nice get in touch with her yeah excellent very cool so gavin i had a question about the paisley underground in general so when did that um that terminology first come into your realm when did you do you recall first hearing about that or what you thought about that or well i've always told journalists that like no we're not part of the paisley underground we're just friends with those guys but they would lump okay that too and i think it used to annoy um certain people that were in you know truly part of that whole scene and i've never i've never you know um I've never like said that we were part of that, you know, we're, we're separate from that, but we're good friends with all those people. Yeah. As far as when I first heard about that, ugh, I don't know when we first started playing together, like, you know, we would play shows with rain parade and, and, uh, and three o'clock was also on that REM tour at a certain point too. So, um, yeah, we, we would hear about it with them. Um, when, yeah, eventually, and we read the press too. It was like, oh, they call call themselves the Paisley Underground. Yeah, cool. <laughs> and you had the Steve Wynn connection too, so you got yeah. tied in because of that. Yeah, and Kendra, right? Exactly. Yeah. I think yeah. that press did that too. It's sort of like, oh well, you know, Steve Wynn produced their blah blah blah. So yeah, they there must be part of it too. We weren't. <laughs> yeah. Well, plus the English press, you know, they wanted more, you, you want more Paisley Underground bands, you know what I mean? So you start reaching out to like a True West or, you know, whoever. Put on with that. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Hey, one more thing about Bring, Bring Out Your Dead Records. We recently had 28th Day on here. Um, was that the only other release on that label? I, I think they said it was, but I just wanted I, to ask you. I, I think it, I think it is, yeah. Because after oh, okay. 
after a while, you, it's, it's an awful lot of work. And, uh, you know, and, and Russ was, was doing that with, with his girlfriend and, uh, yeah, eventually it was, it was time not, not do anything more on that. And I mean, Russ, right. Russ is an artist, you know, he's not a business person per se. And, uh, he wanted to go on and do other stuff, you know, but yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. They were the, I believe they were the only ones on there. Yeah not bad to have those as the only releases if you're gonna only have a couple releases true west and uh 28 day not a bad not a bad discography. yeah solid I, catalog solid I, catalog yes yeah catalog small but <laughs> <laughs> very cool soraya did you have any other questions that you want to ask before? I, I just had a, a little question and that was since uh your cd collection is it focuses on quality. I want to know who you're listening to these days. <laughs> uh, a little bit of everything. I mean, I, I think I'd lean more towards sort of classic rock. You know, I'm not really, uh, I'm not really listening to um, alternative stuff, uh, some of the old stuff. I love, you know, I've, Ronnie knows for a fact, I'm a huge Iron Maiden fan and Saxon and, and that sort of, that, new wave of british heavy metal you know at a certain point so it's you know not not the new metal at all um so yeah that's what i'm listening to you know kind of boring and classic right. rock you know and uh what i did before and what our my friends did before i still listen to that too so nice yeah. perfect i like it that was the era right that and was the you, era it was a it was a fun <laughs> era these 80s yeah yeah, yeah. It was pretty cool. And, and, you know, True West always had the problem in the 80s. We weren't new wave and we were, we were more sort of rock, you know, sort of like, yeah, we lean more towards Tom Petty, Rolling Stones, you know. But when we play live, we're, you know, yeah, we can be kind of hard some nights. So, but yeah, we wave. So, right. You probably got booked on a new wave night every now and then. Oh, God. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Especially in Sacramento with, we're, we're freaking clueless you know it was like the hair metal scene was coming in we weren't hair metal uh and they had bands like in sacramento like tesla and uh oh god some dreadful bands that were yeah. they, they owned the circuit they owned the club circuit and so uh you know we even got booked into a punk club that was wonderful punk club in in, in sacramento at one point but you know it's probably I believe that was that with Dream Syndicate. It might have been with Dream Syndicate, actually. Club Minimal, mm. um, <laughs> and, and of course the normal people that were out that club with they had you know were like what are these guys? You know, they don't they don't sound like suicidal tendencies. Um, <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> see, it's good for people people who listen to this podcast probably because Sacramento has these classic bands you know to us like thin white rope and game theory and oh right you and and we all think like oh these bands like ruled the scene they were they were ruling sacramento and davis but no it wasn't really that way no i mean there was a it was a wonderful little club scene and there were there were weird little clubs you could play and whatnot but yeah i mean thin white rope were still sort of davis bound uh as was game theory. Um, they were, they were another Davis band and it was tough to kind of break into the Sacramento scene at that time. Cause those other classic rock bands 
that were waiting for the big record deal to come along, um, they owned the clubs. So we yeah. a wave night here and there at, at little underground kind of clubs, but we all had to venture out. You know, we, we look at Fenway Rope, they toured like crazy too, all over the world. Yeah. And Game Theory yeah. was, and then, the, and then Scott, I guess, what eventually moved to Bay Area. That was tough too to break into the, the Bay area was a real snooty market at that. You know, we were the, we were the country Hicks coming from Sacramento. Um, and we, there were a lot of cool clubs to play in, in San Francisco, but it got really shitty nights, you know, cause all the, all the groovy local San Francisco bands got all the Friday, Saturday night gigs every now and then you, you might get lucky. But then uh, of course there was the all the wonderful pay to play crap that, ruled for a number of years oh, my word you probably experienced that down in la didn't you ronnie where you have to buy it, it was around that i actually i moved here in 89 so i i the, the metal scene was still going on but you know what they there's they still people still pay to play now at those clubs really? um we did some shows uh during our final year in our band with um with the dickies at at the whiskey and like there were like seven bands on the bill. And I remember walk the wow. person went on at like seven. I remember walking in and like nobody's in the club. And I was just, I, it just occurred to me and I, I got it confirmed later. I'm like, these bands are paying to be on the bill. Like, like the first, every band before us, you know, we were right before the Dickies paid, paid to play to be on that bill. You know? Yeah. We went through so. that. We went through that in the big area. It was such bullshit. I mean, cause the club owners were too lazy to advertise. So it's like, Oh, well, we got to make some money. And, and of course we didn't have a big following in, in the, in the Bay area. We, our following was in, you know, Lawrence, Kansas, and <laughs> even New York. we did well in New York city and Atlanta, Georgia, and a lot of places. And of course, overseas, but, uh, Oh, in Vancouver, BC. Oh my word. That was a wonderful place to play. But yeah, yep. the, we went through. <laughs> well, well, Gavin, we appreciate you taking time to walk through some of the stuff with us. Um, yeah, it's nice. Ronnie's like, yeah. yeah. True West always comes up when we talk about pa the Paisley Underground. So we. Guilt by association. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But we wanted to uh, express our appreciation for you coming on and, and just talking with us. We really enjoyed it. I'm flattered. Well, I did. I don't know about Ronnie and Sarai, but. <laughs> Well, he we he, he paid us to uh, do this. Oh, the opposite paid up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. I was, there you go. Pay to get in. You want me to talk to Gavin? You're gonna have to pay me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Jeffrey will probably send bill in the mail for this too. So. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> well, thanks to you all for for being on this. That's is pretty cool. Thank you, Gavin. We appreciate it. We we uh we're thankful that we we were your first your first Zoom, right? True, my first Zoom. So <laughs> you did good, Gavin. You did good on the Zoom. Oh yeah, I think perfect. That one button to like you know bring me. <laughs> you you figured it out way quicker than than some other guests oh. might have had. Yeah, okay. this is true. This is true. <laughs> well, Nice using my phone. I use that for everything. It's an iPhone, and my computer is a an antique. So uh, yeah. I'm glad I could download the app and do this that way. So very good. Cool. All right.
We'll see. We're just gonna have to have you on again. You know, show us your skills one more time. We'll don't worry. We'll cool. find a topic. We'll talk. <laughs> more music by Gavin. To talk. Thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you, Gavin. All right. All right. The next episode will be the Iron Maiden episode. So I'd like to, yeah, be listening for that. But. That would be fun. Yeah. All right, you guys. That, thank okay. you so much. That's Done. the last okay. band all before the COVID hit. Wow. I saw that. Yep. Last show that I saw before everything shut down in Sacramento wow. was wonderful too. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, it was a Kiss and David Lee Roth for me at Oakland or Oracle Arena, Gavin. It figures it would be Kiss. It, isn't it weird? It's almost <laughs> poetic. I hope nothing happens to me. Like you know what I mean? Like it's. <laughs> I think of you every time I'm in a thrift store and I see some Kiss thing, and I'm like, oh, I should get that for Ronnie. But wait a minute, he probably already has it. <laughs> Ronnie, you have your you have your people looking people, for you. I love uh, people that. do send me kiss. I, I, this is a different subject, but yeah, people do send me kiss things. So I really appreciate Jewel. all the kiss yeah. love. But for getting anything more kiss, so <laughs> <laughs> well, there was recently a Christmas present addressed to me and Julie, and it was a kiss like magazine. Oh, with my. a kiss Christmas card. I'm like. Julie, our good friends uh, in England sent us our, a Christmas present. It's just what you wanted. <laughs> <laughs> She's always like, how come no one ever sends me anything? <laughs> uh, well, it's been great. Anyway. I'll yeah. all right. let you all go, too. So Yes. All right. We'll talk to you later, then. All right. Talk to you all later. Right. Be okay. nice, Jeff Thank and you. Soraya. Be nice. We will. Thank okay. you. Always. Right. Right. Always. Meet you Bye, y'all. Bye-bye. <laughs> All right. So what did you think about that conversation that we had with Gavin yesterday? That was a great conversation. It was. Um, and thanks a lot to Ronnie Barnett for um, coming on this call and um, and getting to talk with Gavin Blair. I learned a lot. I did too. Yeah. yeah. And one of the things... I think I hadn't realized until he said we were road dogs um, is how much touring, how much True West spent time on the road. It's insane. Yeah. <laughs> um, even a trip to Europe, right? I mean, yeah. Europe, the States, and then never looked at, I will never look at a red roof in <laughs> in a different way now. Now I, I won't see it the same way as I have before as it gave them rest. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but uh, no, it was a great talk. And if any of our listeners have a recording of X-Men doing Pirate Love with Gavin at Vocals, please, I want to hear it. Yeah. I really want to hear that. Yeah, me too. Me too. And I had no idea how how hard to get that X Men uh, album is. Yeah, I, I have it on my wish list. But like Ronnie mentioned in the conversation, trying to get a copy is difficult. And if you do find it, at least for us Americans, it's difficult because yeah. they're all located overseas for us. So that just increases the price, right? I'm getting <laughs> and one thing that I did learn today, which was uh, interesting is we finally, I finally know the answer to why the band took that wood plank on them on the tour. And it, it was that dividing line in the bed, right? There you go, there you go. It was always there, always there. 
but you know, I think, I think a number of our listeners who maybe aren't too familiar with uh, True West uh, before got a real, got a real um, view of the evolution of the band, but also got some got some pieces of their of the band history that I think maybe not a lot of people knew. Yeah. I mean, this is a story that takes a lot of twists and turns. And, you know, I'm really thankful to Gavin for sharing that with us, but also talking about his own musical interests and, you know, drummer, singer, Iron Maiden lover. <laughs> I mean, he's just, he's a jack of all trades. I like yeah. that about him. And it was just a blast to sit and talk with him and, and hear some of the stories. It really was. I learned tons. Um, and I think um, we had a prep call with Ronnie the night before, and uh, mm-hmm. he really, he was prepared because I know he had lots of questions. So um, yeah, it was, it was interesting to learn about. I, I, I thought of Gavin as a drummer first and then going to singer, but he told us that he was actually a singer first as a choir boy. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, so that, I, that was new information. And um, I really want to, uh, I want to get this um, the compilation, the TV Western. Which the, one? The, that was the one that that uh, Ronnie shared with us. It's a True West album. I, it's a compilation oh, yes. album called TV Western, and it, that's the one I believe he said has the Tom Berlain demos. Yes, yeah. When I was asking about if yeah. those were available, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So that was a great story too about the Tom Verlaine sessions. I mean this was a really good episode and there are just so many stories and i bet you jeff if we have gavin on again we'll get even more yeah like the one hour just seemed short yeah absolutely i um was really interested to hear gavin's take on the paisley underground as we know it's something that came up um more so with um publications right (laughs) the media but um it's always interesting for me to hear the different musicians or people that were a part of it or in that uh, vicinity or um, adjacent to the paisley underground how they view the paisley underground it was Mm -hmm. interesting to hear his take and we were never a part of it. <laughs> it's like, you we got lumped it, into it. It used to annoy people to be lumped in. <laughs> <laughs> but um, one of the things that I found, it, it was a, it's an interesting reflection back now after having spoken with Gavin, is, you know, I can see how some maybe overseas publications want to kind of put these bands that were all playing around at the same time and kind of circulating in the same universe to lump them all together. But look how connected they were, okay? Because you see, you know, Gavin did some work on Medicine Show and, um, you know, but he had a a history with Steve and Suspects. And, um, but what I found interesting was that two different points in the early 80s, two different bands at two different parts of California do do a cover of Lucifer Sam. Yeah. And, you know, as he said, you know, we didn't have internet back then, so we didn't kind of know what the other was doing until we heard, you know, the version. So, 
And um, you absolutely, those of you who are listening who've never heard it, you absolutely need to hear this uh, version of Lucifer Sam by True West. Yeah, definitely. Really good. And uh, as we heard, Gavin doesn't sing it with a British accent. (laughs) (laughs) He leaves that to the one and only Michael Quartio. But um, yeah, it was, it's just interesting how um, there were lots of connections that keep these bands kind of interconnected indirectly and in some ways directly. I, I think that's what you and I constantly remark about is there are a lot of things that keep that that link these bands together at in a you know in a time and a place so for us it's just interesting yeah it's just really neat to hear you know the camaraderie and you know the appreciation each one has for others yeah absolutely absolutely but i can't wait to have gavin back on (laughs) yeah you know and then you know, who knows? Who knows? They reunited in 2006. Who knows? You know, one of the things that Gavin did mention um, is that uh, there may be some reissues. Yes. Yeah. Reissues. And Russ uh, is working the, on those, right? That, that uh, may be forthcoming at some point in the future. Yes. Um, but uh, so there's there are reissues to look forward to and you never hold out hope that the band might get together one more time i mean the the thought would be if they put out reissues that hopefully they would be able to promote it but who knows in these days and times like yes yeah but one could only hope we don't know anything but um one could only hope (laughs) fingers crossed yeah exactly yep exactly but Jeff, that was a lot of fun and uh, fun times ahead. And for all you Iron Maiden fans, uh, what what just happened? The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame said they're going to be an inductee or they're at least a nominee. Yeah. So yeah. Iron Maiden never dies. Mi gente agrubiar. Groove on, Paisley people. Bye-bye, kitty. You can always edit. Sorry, I don't run this thing. I, I just... <laughs> You're like, I am the puppet master. Yeah. Hey, you miss out. You know, in the studio, you learn to record everything. See, that's why that's why we need you here. Right. Just the ways. <laughs> right. I'll start producing this thing for you guys. We need a producer. Trust I know. Me. Jeff's like, please. Yes. <laughs> I'm here. Yeah. Oh, hey, hey, Gavin, turn, turn on the camera. How do you turn the camera on?